Hi, and welcome to Pod Catalyst. I'm Peter Finn, Executive Director at the International Association of Business Communicators, or IABC. Today, I had a chance to talk with Dr. Lillian Ajaya Oren. She is an award-winning Chief Learning Officer, Data Scientist, and Digital Marketing Executive with over 17 years industry experience working with Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies. She's also the founder of Global Connections for Women Foundation, an award-winning 501c3 nonprofit organization. Dr. Lillian has spoken in over 50 cities worldwide and has been invited as a keynote speaker by the United Nations, the World Bank, Toronto World Leaders Conference, TEDx, and more. She is a research scholar and university faculty at Columbia University and NYU. Dr. Lillian will conduct a digital communication strategy masterclass at the 2022 World Conference in New York City on Sunday, June 26th. During this class, uh, during the masterclass, attendees, participants will learn new trends in digital communication strategy, digital landscape, and digital audiences. They'll also get a chance to identify some new tactics to help them manage their own communication initiatives and learn how to analyze unique features and benefits of digital media platforms. It was a pleasure speaking with Dr. Lillian. Her masterclass is something that we've heard from a lot of our membership that they want more programming on this topic. And I think it's something that everyone wants to learn more about. So excited to have Dr. Lillian there. And I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Dr. Lillian has a really fascinating background and just a wonderful perspective on things. So it was great to speak with her. Dr. Lillian, thanks so much for joining us on Pod Catalyst. And we're really looking forward to the masterclass that you're going to be teaching at the 2022 World Conference in New York City. But before we kind of jump into some of the questions, I, could you just tell us a little bit about your background? You know, what's your career journey? Yes, yes. Again, it's an exciting time. So happy to be part of the Sierra's conference. And I can't wait to not only listen to the speakers who are coming and participate in the actual event, but to also facilitate this masterclass. I am Dr. Lillian Ajayi Ore. I am a Chief Learning Officer, a CMO, and a Data Scientist. So my background is really, I started my journey in the corporate side, maybe more agency side, working with big brands, designing their digital marketing strategies, taking products that they sell locally, globally. And then from there, I kind of formed an affinity for, you know, looking for results and how to drive more engagement, more loyalty how to create you know, predictive modeling and things like that. So I became head of analytics for a few Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. And I was approached by NYU to teach what I know to the growing class and the growing group and the next, I call them the next, the next leader, the next Lillian. <laughs> and so it was such a great opportunity, not only to now craft a course, um, create learning objectives, to think about how do I equip them so they can face the world and look at marketing in a way that it isn't, it's pleasing, something that can get you to create an emotional connection between you and your brand and the customer you want to, but also supporting business goals and, and bottom lines. And so I've been able to do that for the last decade. So not only am I a professor at NYU, but I also teach at Columbia as well. And you with the masterclass at the conference, the intent there is to help a lot of the folks that are participating understand you know, the digital trends and really to have a, a better targeted approach with their consumers and stakeholders and so on. But for you, what does that look like in action? And why is that, uh, how is that an imperative for communicators? 
Yeah, I think the bottom line is that digital and technology has created a space where we have to be savvy digital market communicators. We have to be on top of the tech trends. We have to understand the space. So one of the things that I'll be working through in this class is how to really break it down to three key areas, right? What's the trend in terms of the industry? So are you in the tech industry? Are you in the science industry? Are you in the financial industry? Every single thing requires you to have a clear understanding on your digital strategy and your digital communication strategy as well. And then are you also looking at people and what is impacting people? And then we start to look at culture. What's the impact of culture? We just had the global pandemic that had an implication on how we communicate to customers and what their expectations were. Yes, we're in a customer centric space right now, but it's also important that we pay attention to the industry, the culture and the people to understand what key factor is either preventing them from committing more to our brands or even preventing them from taking actions. And so how do we grow our relationship with them, not just to push bottom line agenda, but to also support conscious live-in, conscious customers, environmentally sensitive customers, and really advocate values beyond just the bottom line within the organization. And so one of the things that I'm going to walk through this class is how do we set priorities as leaders in our organization with how we take care of our customer and care about the things that they care about? And then using a specific framework that we know in the digital space that would work. And then one of the key takeaways that they do get from this is how do they become more avid, you know, trend centers? Like, how do you pay more attention? How do you become more savvy on your own? So I'll be giving you some key impact, key insights on what you must do to keep staying on top of the trend as opposed to following the trend, which is what we see more so now than ever before. And some of our members and just you know, people in our IBC community run their own businesses. They're independent consultants and you may not have the same resources that, you know, if you're at a larger firm or company, so you may, we're, we're calling them solopreneurs. I mean, what advice would you have for them on how to master some of these digital skills without maybe having all the resources with a big firm? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely recommend, I just wrote an article for entrepreneur.com and one of the things I said, you know, and I was actually really speaking to solo entrepreneurs, small business owners about having more of a direct customer interaction. And so my, I think one of the cool things about taking this master class is that I do equip you as a solo entrepreneur because I am one too in some capacity and we'll talk about that later on. But I think it's all about prioritization. You have to figure out what priority. You can't be everywhere because you don't have the financial support. You don't have the marketing budget to do all the things that big brands are doing. And so one of the things that I advise my clients who are mostly mid-sized company and some of them are, you know, they just have about 10 team people is let's just focus on the area that really impacts our bottom line or that helps us get to our business goals, whether it's to connect more with our customer and figure out in when you're looking across all of the omni-channel that we have, what is the most relevant space to be in to connect with them? I mean, we can always have, we don't have the resources to create YouTube videos. We don't have the resources to run Facebook ads across all of Facebook platforms. You just have to prioritize what's important to you as a business and then be the best that you possibly can on that particular platform and also learn as much as you can about what is effective, how did all the people do it, do competitive analysis as well. I think a lot of times the mistakes that most solo entrepreneurs do is we don't look outside of our house. We should look at other small businesses and figure out how they're spending their marketing, the very limited marketing budget. And then in terms of scaling, Look for partnerships. I actually just taught this in my class, my Columbia course, which is also titled Digital Communication Strategy. 
is sometimes you save more money by looking for partners. You know, I have a nonprofit organization and what's really helped us grow and scale and to be able to have the impact that we've been able to do is that we partner with UN, UN women. They have more resources than we do and they have more connections than we do. So I think as a solo entrepreneur, look for partnership if you are restricted by your budget. And if you are restricted by a budget and time and you don't have time to find or seek out partnerships, then only look for an almond channel platform that really serves your need and wants of your customer and redefine what your business priorities are. And that would help you stay relevant, stay agile in the space and be able to create the impact you want to see in your business. Yeah. And we recently started a student shared interest group. And, uh, you know, I know you're, as you mentioned, you're a professor at Columbia and NYU. What are some of your observations about the next generation? And, you know, we're, I think, particularly with IABC, you know, we're trying to provide more programming for people that are students and, and early career. But what are some of your thoughts on kind of the next gen and what they're passionate about? Yeah, great question. I think the next generation, they're looking for three main things. One, they're looking for more mentorship opportunity. They want to be connected to industry leaders. They also want some practical knowledge, you know, so whether it's internship opportunity, whether it's a workshop around a business problem for a company. And then they also want to be inspired, right? They want to be challenged to think outside the box. I mean, I love the energy that my students bring to the class. And honestly, it challenges me as a teacher, as a, as a thought leader in this space every day to really bring my A-game to my class. And so it's always rewarding when my students like, Professor, you know so much. Little do they know that I spent a lot of time researching as well. So I think, you know, they're looking for mentorship opportunity. We can create program that provides that right? Come into the room, meet with other professionals who are part of our society, and then have them do a bridge thing where they're connecting with one another. And then they also want practical knowledge. Like, how do I take what you're teaching me here, being a member of this group, this association, how do I take that information and apply it to my life, to my professional goals, right? And then the last thing is they want to be inspired. They want to know, they want to see you as a thought leader. So what information can you share with them? that is not necessarily available in the world? And how can they contribute value as well? Because I know students and, and, and future leaders and young professionals are looking for ways to create value themselves. They don't want to be told that they're too young and they don't understand. They want to be challenged to create value as well. So I think inspiration forces value creation. And I think we need to do more of that. And I applaud your organization for really investing time in grooming the next generation because you know, there is a cycle in which life moves in. And we have to invest in the next generation of professionals now more than ever before, given the, the nature of the pandemic and how much restrictions our young professional experience because they weren't able to network. You can't network with a mask on. You couldn't meet with people in person. And now that we're slowly returning to business as usual with care, I think we need to just kind of exacerbate ways to do those three things that I mentioned. I mean, are you, because I know you've been teaching for several years and I mean, are there things that you see that are the impact of the pandemic and the way that it's changed your students? Could you talk a little bit more about that, especially, you know, with, you know, in terms of the communication practice and education? I'm just curious what you've seen, you know, as a, as yeah. a professor. Yeah, such a great question. A very thoughtful one. It shows that you care, Peter. I've seen two things. I think that the pandemic did make our students feel a little bit insecure because, mm-hmm. There were certain assurances that they get, you know, learning 
to be quite honest, what really helps knowledge grow and prosper is the ability to be in the classroom with someone else. Um, it depends on the platform. Again, I teach in schools that the way that we teach is an in-person program. So we're not talking about a virtual course. This is an in-person establishment. And so one of the things that students were missing in terms of that is sometimes being able to connect with their peers, help them manage their insecurities a little bit more, or even help them make them feel that, you know what, maybe I do know some things about the space. I have some task knowledge. It's not that I don't know what I'm doing. And then uncertainty about their future, right? If you think about the job market, usually when someone graduates from school, they don't have to worry about the high unemployment rate. Now they're competing with seasoned employees who are willing to go for a low-paying job because they have to pay their bills. So the world has changed around them. And so the job of the faculty, what I've seen is there's been a lot more coaching to what we do in kind of reassuring our students that, listen, you're making the right investment in your education. And one of the things that I've been doing now is really sitting with my students individually in our office hours and figuring out where their gaps are. Like, where do you need to develop? Because I know my courses, you know, and the program's going to teach you one thing. What about the things that we don't get to teach you in the classroom? How can we help you with those? And so the good thing, the good news is that the school is also working as hard as possible to make sure that we have jobs in our career banks and we also have access to them. We're trying to restart, you know, restore all of our, you know, in-person activities so that our students can have access to networking. I think a lot of schools are now lifting the mask policy so that you can build a connection because it's not as trusting when you have someone's half of their face is covered. And so, you know, education becomes a professional development process instead of just an academic education where you're just getting a degree. It's like you're really training this professional, their mindset, their, their knowledge, you're increasing that. And then you're helping them shape how they enter into the world after school ends, right? Once they graduate. So those are the things that I've noticed. But our students are smart. They are ahead of the curve. I think the, the fact that we've been so virtually inhabitant has allowed our students to explore more, read more, you know, get engaged more. There's less dependent on the information coming from one source. So then bringing news into the classroom, which I always enjoy and I talk about as well. So the good news is that there is still hope, but those are the things that I noticed during the pandemic and teaching them and, and working with the school and working with my classroom. We're trying to solve for that is really important because we want them to feel confident when they graduate. You brought up mentorship, you know, which is so critical. You know, what, what are some of your advice? You know, it sounds like you do some mentoring and coaching and, you know, it's part of your position and also just, you know, outside of that. I mean, what's your advice for some of our you know, more seasoned members and, you know, and how they can be effective in mentoring the next generation? Yeah, mentorship is important. But I think the most important aspect of mentorship is to make sure that there's a good match, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, you guys can have a policy where mentorship could take like 30 minutes or an hour of your day, mm -hmm. you know, once a week, once a month, whatever schedule makes sense for you. I think mentorship has two different spheres. Mentorship is not coaching because that's a different, that's a completely different part of your brain that functions on the coaching level. But I think mentorship cannot be self-servant. It has to be more of like you listening to your mentee and figuring out, where their challenges are, understanding what do they need, right, in that initial meeting. And then on the organization's point, when you guys are trying to create an effective mentorship program, make sure you match them by industry and do a questionnaire and make sure that the mentor is also committed, because I think that commitment is important. I mean, in the past, I've had mentors who are like, all right, I only have five minutes. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to need more than five minutes to get to what I really want to talk about. 
So it has to be mutually beneficial relationship where the mentor sees themselves in the mentee. And so they are just as invested as the mentee in that transformation that does happen once you meet with your mentor on a daily basis or a weekly basis or monthly basis, whatever scheduling makes sense for that mentor. And then I think that mentorship should also extend beyond just meeting with them and talking to them. I mentor people and if they tell me something and it's not really my industry, I will connect them to a friend of mine or a professional contact that I have and say, listen, I may not know some you know, things about media because I know that's what you're interested in, but I'll connect you to someone. So a mentor has to be willing to extend the connection beyond themselves and really take the time out to be like, who is the best person that I know can do this? So that third degree of exchange needs to happen as well. And I think the, the last part of the mentorship program is a, a, um, for the organization is I think we should track it. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I guess this is the analytics part of me. Let's track the progress that has been made. Like check in with the mentee and say, how are you liking Lillian? Check in with the mentor and say, how are you liking your mentee? And get some feedback and give each other. Make sure you share those feedback with the mentee and mentor. In a setting that does not like, you know, you're giving them a query, but you're saying, hey, listen, your style is working. This mentorship experience is really great for both of you. Or here are some feedback on areas that the mentee is uncomfortable talking to you about, but I think you should consider it when you meet with them again. Because the point of having a mentorship program is so that someone can transform from that experience and from that interaction, right? And so the only way it's going to end up in the way that we envision is to make sure that we have some kind of tracking and feedback loop that we also engage in. Yeah. No, that's, thank you for that. I know that you are also a founder of the Global Connections for Women Foundation. How did that come about? Can you talk a little bit about that and you know, maybe some of the recent programs and initiatives? I mean, it sounds really exciting, so I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, thanks, Peter. So I started GC4W, Global Connections for Women Foundation, now almost 10 years ago. And one of my reasons for doing it is because I wanted to give back. I felt like I was, you know, 17 plus years of experience as a, you know, digital marketing and a data scientist executive. I wanted a way to give back to the world. And I said to myself, again, who, what specific sector, what people, you know, what, how do you want to give back? And of course, gender equality and women empowerment is very, is something that I'm really about. So I said, you know, let me create a program that helps to advance those causes. And I've been able to do that through GC4W. And so we've been able to create programs for female entrepreneurs who typically are doing their entrepreneurship engagement as a side gig, you know, and they have their full-time jobs. And so helping them scale their business, introducing them to, you know, a slew of thought leaders to talk to them about what their business challenges are in a more structured environment because it's, we have an academic rigor even with our um, GCPW programs, maybe because of me and my background. And then of course, creating avenue of inspiration. So we do a lot of leadership talks. We have one coming up in two weeks where we have top women, top 100 women around the world come and talk about their journey and one of the challenges they face and the resilience that they have to endure so hoping that this will help transform the mindset of these women who are listening, who are participating in the conference and people who listen to it after the conference has gone live and they can learn some tools and tactics and be equipped with the skills that they need to connect, educate, empower their communities and even go on on their own professional journey as well. And I, I really enjoyed doing this for the world. And I've been very blessed because I've had really great supporters. So my board has been so supportive, connecting me with organizations who share the same value as we do, 
whose help invest in the resources that we needed to set this thing up for women in different parts of the world. And we do represent women from multiple continents, which is quite interesting how they find us. You know, I have someone from Russia, I have someone from India, I have someone from Kenya. Every year I get to meet these amazing women who have different businesses and I have someone who I have, we've been doing this program now for about four years. And, you know, every year when we start a new cohort, we have an alumni come and talk. And so one of our alumni was actually from Lebanon. And she's going to talk to the students about what her experience was like. And while she was in class, they had that incident that happened in Lebanon where a building just exploded. And so that was nice to have us as like, you know, a group that she could lean on. So I'm really grateful that I was able to create this as a way of giving back to society. Mm-hmm. And this is when you were talking about partnership earlier, uh, partnering with the UN. So you've been able to have some synergy there with the UN, with your foundation. Yes. Yeah, and exciting. I have a great, I have a great example, actually, to share. Remember when you asked me earlier about solo entrepreneurs and I had to mm-hmm. use digital and I said, hey, listen, if you don't have enough resources, partnership is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. The truth is when GC4W first started, we were only a Twitter account, Peter. I had a Twitter page. I remember I went and did my nine to six. I came home. And I scheduled posts because I felt like, okay, in the space, and that's another thing you'll learn in a massive class is how do you figure out what's not there and how can you input something that's missing? Because I think that vigilance um, I set that requires you to figure out what's missing in the space really is going to thrust you forward as a, as a business owner. So for me, almost 10 years ago, there, weren't, there was a lot of like cry around you know, gender equality, women empowerment. And I said to myself, like, all right, since everyone is talking about what's missing, what about what exists? So I focus on what women were doing in different parts of the world. So I would post that on social media and I would just announce, like, you know, that this person became a prime minister. This woman became this. This woman was the first female CEO of her company. And that got the attention that I needed. I got the attention of Ford Foundation. I got the attention of UN. I got the attention of UN Women. And all these great Nestle as well, all these great companies saying like, wow, this is a cool thing to do. And they were resharing our information. And then from there, someone asked us if we could partner with them. And I myself became a thought leader in creating programs that helps to empower women because I was reading so much about what was going on in the world. And so I was invited to the UN to give a presentation on how to empower women in Congo, how to resolve some of our social economic issues that women face all the time. So I think there is power in using social media tools to really advance certain topics and to be the promoter of certain topics as well. Like you don't realize that you become a thought leader because you spend so much time researching those content. And so it was a great partnership for us. And we've done a couple of programs. We did a program with them years back with Twitter and UN Women. And I was invited to lead one of the workshops for that. And that was nice to have DCPW be a part of that. We helped launch the UN Youth Assembly as well. We helped launch International Day of Education as well. So it's been a great, great, great process. And I think partnership is key. Find the right partner that aligns with your values. Find the right partner that also helps advance your mission as well. And find the right value that you can also give back to in some way. Yep. And I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the the theme of the conference which I, you know, connects to, to some of what you're saying. The theme of the conference is communication can, dot, dot, dot. But with the idea that communication can do so much, and what, what do you believe that communication can do and its power? And I, I, I certainly probably see that in the, the data side and then also, you know, sort of the, the more emotional side. But I'd just like to get your thoughts on that. 
Yeah. I mean, the big keyword in my nonprofit organization is connection. I yeah. think communication can connect you to people in different parts of the world. And I think that's my phrase is communication can connect you to others, whether you're connecting with them on an emotional level, spiritual level, right? Or just you're connecting on shared values and shared ideas or shared enthusiasm as well. I think communication can do those things for sure. Yeah. So one of the questions that we always ask folks is rather than what keeps you up at night, but what gets you up in the morning? So what, what inspires Dr. Lillian? In the- <laughs> um, it's funny. I just did a TED Talk in Paris. And one of the things that I talked about in my TED Talk, the desired um, future self, I talked about that desired place is what gets you up in the morning. I think for me, because I, I feel like I live a very fulfilled life, which is great. The fact that I get to educate students. And then the fact that I get to work with women through GC4W, I think the fact that I know that every day I make it count by trying to enable and create more impact in the world is what really gets me up every day. And my husband is always like, wow, I can't believe you're up at five o'clock. I'm like, that's how exciting I am. Of course, I go to bed early, so I get my seven hours at most and six hours if I'm, if I'm lucky. But I think what gets me up in the morning that gets me fired up is the fact that, listen, this is another day to create an impact. So let's go get it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Oli. And I'm really excited. Uh, I, I will try to sit in on your masterclass Yay. And, uh, <laughs> and I just, you know, really appreciate your, your time and, and, and speaking with me. Thank you so much for all the thoughtful questions. You know, I'm excited about your platform. And if you guys ever need help with setting up your mentorship program, I'm here for you. And I awesome. have students who are eager to participate in this program as well. So let's talk more outside of this on that. Great. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dr. Lillian. That was a great discussion. We're really excited to have Dr. Lillian at the conference this year, the 2022 World Conference in New York City. Again, Dr. Lillian will be the instructor, facilitator for our masterclass on digital communication strategy. We really look forward to having her there and we hope to see all of you there in just a couple months. Thanks so much.